Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. I'm Christy. This is Josh. We take a look at the highs, lows, and time capsule of Prince albums every other week. Right now we're in the middle of a series on the Lotus Flower three-disc set. A three-disc set that's going to take five episodes to get through, (laughs) and we still won't cover it all. And we still won't cover quite all of it, but we'll have hit... All of the highlights and a low point or two along the way. Oh, there'll be those. There will be those, but we force ourselves to find those. So we've covered the Lotus Flower album, the MPL Sound album, Bria Valente's Elixir, and today we're moving on to some ancillary material of the album. We're doing a video for a chocolate box, the video for Bria Valente's Every Time. That's every time, not every time yeah one word yeah thanks bria uh-huh yeah i don't think that's correct i don't really think there's such a word as every time that's very true i think I it's think only right. two words anyway we're also going to talk about the target commercial that was a promo that advertised the three discs set in store there was three nights of prince performing on jay leno three nights in a row mm-hmm a performance on Ellen, a performance on French television at Le Grand Journal, an appearance by Prince on Tavis Smiley, and also Brie Valente was on that same episode, but they were not together on that episode. Right. Then we have download songs, The Morning After, Disco Jellyfish, There'll Never Be Another Like Me instrumental. Mm -hmm. Then there were remixes of Dance For Me. Yes, five granted. of them. Yeah, those came a couple years after the album was released, but it made sense, I think, to cover it as, as part, part of, of it. this podcast. There yep. was also remixes for Tonight yeah, the Bria for, by song. Bria Valente, mm-hmm. but we're not going to cover those. If you're interested in listening to those, they seem to be on the streaming services. Whatever. I know they're on Apple Music. I believe they're also on Spotify. So if you want to listen to those and check those out, Please do. They're done by the same people who did the remixes of Dance For Me. Okay. But they're, we're not going to cover them yeah, today. There, there wasn't Prince involvement with them. Right. Um, yeah, other than it being a song that he helped yeah, write perform. and perform. Yeah, but the remixes are apart from him. Yeah, and uh, we want to do, before we get started on that, uh-huh. I want to shout out... Go ahead. Uh, Bernadette, she made sure that we knew that you could find the Two Night remixes online. Right. She also was very sweet and made sure that we had a link to the Bria Valente appearance on Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Mm -hmm. Yes. And she also pointed out something which I didn't realize, that one of the engineers who worked on this entire set was Ian Boxall. Yep. And he is he worked with Prince a lot, so it wasn't surprising that he was part of this, but it's noteworthy because he unfortunately just lost a lawsuit. Lawsuit. Yeah. With the the well, estate yes. and owes them four million dollars for that's the judgment anyway. That's for, the judgment. For the release of the EP Deliverance that yes. was available for a couple weeks. Yeah. Two years ago. Which mm, he understood that he had rights to release. Mm-hmm. I, evidently, the courts didn't agree with that. We, we're not going to take a position on that, but we just hope that 
everybody who has worked with Prince in the past and believes that they have rights to be able to release material that he worked on is able to prove that and be able to release it eventually because really we just want to hear all the things we do but um i would be careful if i was one of those folks yes yes it was definitely something that everyone who worked with him should be very careful about then we also asked anyone out there uh who had an idea of who belinda bianca might be oh yeah the lady yeah. with a good breath and i'd like to uh shout out Diana Parker, once again, uh-huh. uh, for helping spread the word about that. <laughs> <laughs> These are important issues uh-huh. that we need to get to Exactly. The sure. And uh, Martin Fenko, a uh, friend of ours on Twitter, friend of the pod, um, his handle is at Interchemist, uh, thinks, suggests, made up. Okay. That perhaps it was not Belinda Bianca, mm-hmm. but it was Belinda, comma, Bianca. And therefore, two women, two women, in addition to Bria going out with Prince. Oh, what a dirty bird. Prince and his bevy of lovely, beautiful young women. His bevy of three Bs. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Belinda, Bianca, and Bria all hanging out. So thank you very much for doing that. If you listen all the way to the end, we will think of something that you can make up something and tweet at us and get a shout out on the pod. We'd love to do that. It's super fun. We've really enjoyed seeing your ideas on things. So we'll keep that up. Yep. All right. So shall we dive into the main substance of the material? We better start. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to start with the videos. The chocolate box video was promotional. It ran on the Lotus Flower website. Right. That yes. was the primary place to see it. And we'll talk about the website on the next episode yes. of the podcast. But it was a large launch of a website in 2009 that was heavily promoted. And unfortunately, it seemed like Prince lost interest in it <laughs> soon after it launched. And uh, after the initial promotion for these albums was over, uh, updates to it kind of came to a halt. Uh, but yes, you could go online and watch this very Matrix, Blade Runner style video yes. where we've got images from the cover of MPL Sound with buildings and a Stratocaster guitar right? Uh, and the jellyfish yep. and all these other things. And then there's a, the Zeppelin flying around. Okay, right? so I was like, what does the Zeppelin have to do with anything? Because Prince is like on this like like pixelated screen on a blimp and he's flying around watching these people jump from building Building roof to building roof and the way you access the video on the website was there was Mm -hmm. a zeppelin that you clicked on and that's how you were able to access the video which i always love (laughs) that Prince had a very roundabout way. There was no straightforward way yeah. to get anywhere on any of his websites. And right. There was no yeah. watch video button. No. Yeah, exactly. No. So yeah, like you said, Prince is this digit on this big, almost scoreboard scoreboard kind of uh, screen on the Zeppelin flying around, watching over this dude in a white t-shirt. Prince is blinged out beyond belief, but then the man who's chasing this woman 
who are not sure if it's Q-tip or not. Well, I I did confirm it is Q-tip is the man. And the woman was uh, Lala Escurzega, Mm -hmm. who is a dancer and artist who'd worked with Prince. Okay. So, you know, Q-tip's got his own style, whatever. But he's in the Prince video and he's just wearing a white t-shirt. Yeah, and a jacket that was purple on the inside. She had a jacket that was red on the inside. Right. They're like jumping around there was i i don't know it was really dark very dark and green like matrixy kind of style thing you know prince was into the matrix at this point too so that could have been a little part of it yeah this uh you know i can only comment on this from things that i've seen and experienced in my life music (laughs) is personal right you're gonna are you gonna comment on it from something that's Unrelated? Uh, Unrelated to anything you know about? (laughs) No, I'm going to comment on it, surprisingly, related to something I do know about. Oh, excellent. Okay. So, in 1997, Steve Jobs was hosting Macworld Boston for Apple. Okay. And it was very famous because Steve came out, and this was when Steve Jobs had just returned to Apple and was trying to save the company from annihilation and bankruptcy. He made a deal with Bill Gates to make sure that they were going, that Microsoft was going to make uh, Office products for Mac for a number of years and also this cash infusion. And to make the announcement, Steve turned around and Bill Gates' face hovered over the crowd (laughs) on this giant projector. And it was probably the biggest misstep in Steve Jobs' presentation history. He's like a presentation master. But... Gates is looking down on everyone like he owned the place, speaking to everyone like this, you know, <laughs> God who owns the entire place. The floating head yes. is watching you. And uh-huh. Steve was really criticized for this because it made it look like Bill Gates owned Apple, essentially. Uh-huh. Right. And, you know, that Steve's this tiny little figure looking up to this giant Bill Gates head. <laughs> and that's how I feel like Q-Tip was Okay, in this he was video. looking up to yes. giant Prince yes. head like, on the side of a like blimp. Prince was saying, I'm going to give you a cash infusion q-tip and i'm gonna make prince products for you for another <laughs> you know seven years or so oh okay that's just what it made me think of all right so you then. can look up that episode and tell me if you think that uh there's some similarities there okay interesting yeah. i may have to check that out mm-hmm. all right i mean i guess for what it was it was fine you know a they made a video and they put some time and money into uh-huh, it but after we some... watched it i was like well that was Somewhat unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, well, especially since it didn't get a real, it wasn't on. Yeah. VH1 or. Anywhere that people would actually like see it. It was really, it was just for the website. Yep. Whatever, man. We saw it when it was released. And I mean, I think I watched it once and then moved on. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know that I ever even saw it when it released. I think you watched it without me. And I probably filtered you from it. (laughs) Yeah. You're welcome. You curated me away from it. It only lasted, you know, eight years. And you had to go back eight or nine years. You had to watch it now. And I really liked the song. And I just thought the video didn't do anything. It didn't give us anything that I didn't already know. It didn't. It was curious as to why the man is chasing the woman. They seem angry with one another and then leave hand in hand. Whatever, man. Predatory. Yeah, a little bit. Just because of the length of it and because I felt like Q-Tip was kind of an unnecessary addition to the song. This was my C for the entire album. Right. Even though I loved the the song itself. I mean, right. maybe make it a little shorter or maybe edit Q-Tip out and it could be a uh-huh. fun song. But I thought it was a little repetitive and went on a little long. And I kind of felt the same about the video. Yeah, that's fair. 
All right, we're going to move on to the Every Time video by Bria Valente. All right, this um, was something we were surprised to find. Yes. I had not seen it, and um, the prince isn't in it or involved in it in any way that we can find. Right. Um, so, essentially, it's like a Bria Valente rental car vacation <laughs> commercial. <laughs> I mean, she's driving what looks to be like along the California coast and pulling off and ends up on the beach and it was well shot and it was professionally done. It was, it didn't have any over the top effects like chocolate box or trying to be something that it wasn't. So I'm kidding about the, you know, beach vacation. Well, I mean, she's driving a very nice car along the beach. She eventually ends up on the beach Mm -hmm. with a bunch of women playing string instruments, you know, just like, like, there's this string quartet over here on the beach. She told her quartet to meet me at the beach. Meet, and meet there the beach. Yeah. I don't I know mean, that the sand is a great and beach is a great environment for stringed instruments. It's kind of like taking a camera to a beach. Probably mm-hmm. have to be pretty careful about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the song itself, I think, was our very first agreeance on a C no, for an we, album. We agreed on a C for. Don't make me rave. disagree about agreeing. Oh, okay. We, yeah. we we agreed on, what was that? Every Day is a Winding Road? Another... No, I think it was for the video one. Okay. Video episode. Anyway, we've agreed, but this is the first time we've agreed on a song, perhaps. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. We agreed that neither one of us really cared for this song all that much. We found it a little forgettable. Yeah, it doesn't didn't really go anywhere and kind of a single note. Yeah, which um which whatever. Is but fine. we just but there, didn't were, love there were it. other songs on and, the album I thought yeah. would have made a better single or promotional video. I felt like the video was kind of similarly forgettable. There were a lot of beautiful shots of Bria. She looked lovely. She had a beautiful car. She was wearing this beautiful green dress. But it was pretty average music video. There wasn't really a whole lot. That's a fair assessment. I yeah. thought the video was better than the song. And, mm-hmm. But there's that's not really saying a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. So. My only question was, why wasn't it widescreen? It uh, was... Made for like an old television. A four by three yeah. format. I didn't notice that. Yeah. So I don't know why in 2009 they would have done that. But I couldn't tell you either. Yeah. Uh, they spent their budget on the car and not on the cameras. Sure. Could be. Yeah. Okay. You know, every time you make a video, you have to be aware of these things. Every time. Every time. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to the promotional... Yeah, commercial the Target for, commercial. Yeah. yeah, this was kind of a surprise when this all happened with Prince. He mentioned, I forget where he said so, but that he was trying to work with a major, just a major retailer for an exclusive agreement to distribute his next album, which turned out to be this three disc set. And speculation was, oh, I bet it's Best Buy because they had headquarters in Minneapolis, or probably could be Target because they had headquarters in Minneapolis. And that turned out to be right. It yeah. was an exclusive deal with Target. Ding, ding, so ding. So you could either buy the album off of his website or go to Target and get it for, what was it, $11? For yeah, the three to $11.98, was, yeah, I believe. Really uh, affordable set because, you know, Prince went directly to 
a retailer and there wasn't a middleman essentially. Yeah. yeah was, so it was a very unique uh, yeah. partnership and hey, I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. I ended up joining the website for $77 and also bought the album for 12 and mm-hmm. so ended up, you know, about yeah. $100 in the hole either way. <laughs> So the commercial itself, I thought, was probably the best of the three quote-unquote videos that we're watching between the chocolate box video, the Everytime video. I thought the Target commercial was, you could tell it was really well produced, shot on a green screen and Prince's on this tall pedestal with his guitar, and it's an edited version of Dreamer that he's uh, lip-syncing to before it gets to the exclusively a Target. And I think it even mentioned the price of the album in the the commercial, which is pretty neat. Yeah, I I mean, it was very well done. I remember seeing it on television, like, I think during football games. I think you're right. I think that's when I remember seeing it. He wore a red suit on a purple stage. He was playing guitar. Mm -hmm. It does mention... You know, introducing Bria Valente. Yes. Which, yeah. But, you know, 30 seconds in and out, super clean, just prints, looks good, gets the message across. I thought it was really successful. Me too. It was a 30 second spot and Mm -hmm. uh, very well done. Yes. If I had been part of the crew that put that together. Oh, you'd be thrilled. I'd be very thrilled. And Prince did some great air guitar work Mm -hmm. on that stage, too. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right, now we're going to move on to tonight show appearances. Good old Jay Leno. Yep. Three nights in a row, March 25th, March 26th, and March 27th of Mm -hmm. 2009. And every single time that Jay Leno introduced it, he called it a 3D set. His latest project, a 3D set. His latest project, a 3D set. A 3D set. Yeah. Yeah. Not a 3CD set. Yeah, or a 3-disc set. It It was was a a 3D 3D set. set. So I guess that's fair. If you open it up, it'll stand up on its own. That's true. It does. It is a 3D set. Even though the discs are flat, they do have some depth. (laughs) So it's a true statement. It's just super odd. It is. Odd. I don't know. I, I don't know why. That <laughs> I don't either. Um, but it's fine. Whatever. But, yeah, it didn't affect it. Prince anything. and Jay That's Leno fine. got they along. Were, they were buds, and yeah. Jay was always, uh, he appeared on the Jay Leno show numerous times, but this was really unique to have. It was supposed to be come on three nights in a row, and he was going to play one song from each of the three albums each night. Right. And by the time this all took place, his relationship with Bria or Bria's relationship with him had kind of come to an end and she was nowhere to be seen. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit because okay. it's interesting, but she was, she didn't appear here at all. No, she did not. No. And he did not play a song off of Elixir. No, he did not. So night one, this was March 25th, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Old school company. Old school company. Jay uh, introduces him as you know good friend of the show and Prince has got his back to the audience, and the song starts with uh, Purple Rain Tease. Yes. So it sounds like he's about to play Purple Rain. Uh-huh. Even though Jay already t- said he's performing Old, Old School, School Company, Company. from uh-huh. the album MPL Sound. So I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. Kind of a little uh, tease. It was really fun. Yeah, and then he yeah. turns around and he's, This my song. <laughs> So funny. Like the opposite of purple. Uh, exactly. 
And he had a different band primarily each night. Yeah, there were different band members at each night. Of, yeah. Of these appearances. Yeah. So he had a female drummer that was fun. He clearly enjoys the song. He's, he look, really looks like he's having a lot of fun. He's wearing really cool Dolce & Gabbana sunglasses yep. and a teal and black shirt. It was really fun. The backup singers look like they're yeah. having a good time. They're dressed real 70s style. Kind of goes with the whole Yeah, one of the theme. backup singers was Elisa Fiorillo. Okay. Fiorillo, uh, who had an album titled I Am that Prince had contributions to. And oh, she was okay. a backup singer with him. Uh, numerous times throughout the latter years of his career, too. And she was one of the singers that was on stage oh, that night. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I really liked the harmonica playing yeah, part of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was really neat. And while the harmonica is playing, and that's really super cool, Prince is interacting with the crowd. Uh-huh. And he's just, he's having so much fun. Yeah, he's and trying for to a shy person, he was... I mean, of course, we all know that he was an amazing performer, but it's always fun to see him and know that he's this kind of shy person. But when he's on stage, he's just, he owns the crowd. There doesn't look like a shy person at all. It's great. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting the the crowd going. I do love that he takes his sunglasses off Mm because there are, I mean, he, this is an era of gigantic sunglasses for Prince. (laughs) Yes. Um, He had a small little face and he liked his ginormous sunglasses they're real big so he took it off to do the verse everybody singing in the quicksand divided by so it's kind of cool he takes his glasses off and of course the crowd goes wild yeah um and during uh right around yane's harmonica solo He has a guitar solo that's not in the song too that he just kind of launched into this looked a little improvised It was a little bit of a mess, I thought, at the end of a song with Yane on harmonica and Prince. The guitar solo didn't quite... It fit really well, um, but it seemed very unrehearsed to me, which is cool. But it wasn't like, oh, it was a great guitar solo to me. It was kind of one of those... I'm not sure that he was really Yeah, he just kind of felt it and went with it. Uh, But still very, very fun. Yeah, and we got not one, but two tossed guitars. Yes, he tosses it, and then it reappears. Yes. It's, it's brought back to him, and he tosses it again. Yeah. What, probably 15 feet away from him? Yeah. Poor guitar tech's got to catch it. throws the guitars, which is always fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the song comes to an end, too. I thought yeah. it was fun when he the song ends and Prince screams, Prince and the Minneapolis sound can't be beat, uh-huh. suckers. <laughs> yes. So it's sort of a shout out, shout out to the album name and the you know the genre of music that he essentially helped create. Very cool, mm-hmm. very cool. Then we go. That was that was my mountain from that album. So I love the right fact old that he school company. It and he didn't perform it often, if ever, uh, after that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good fun stuff. And then we have the second night. He performs "Dreamer," which was of course used in the Target promotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was like one of the most coordinated marketing efforts for a Prince album. For maybe forever since he left Warner Brothers. Where, you know, there's this three disc set, he's got Target involved, he agrees to go on a you know, Jay Leno was hugely popular at that time, so to do a takeover. He was getting ready to retire. He was close to that, yeah. Yeah. 
close to that time that Jay was going to retire, and for Prince to come on and do three nights in a row to promote a new album, it's pretty rare. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that the performance of Dreamer was great. Um, it was pretty true to the studio version of the song. If you had heard the studio version, this was there weren't any real big surprises. Right. I thought it almost sounded like he was shouting a little bit. It was a little shouty. Hmm. Whereas the album version, not so much. You know, where he had done a song like this before, he, when he perfor- it reminds me of his performance of Fury on yes. Saturday Night Live three Fair. years prior. And that was a little shouty too, but it yep. gave a lot of energy to the song that was not there on the studio version. Right. I liked it for that reason. Oh, I thought okay. it was kind of a, you know, he was there to make a statement and he was right. a little socially angry. Yeah, fair. Um, so yeah, it was a little shouty, but I, it just mm-hmm. reminded me of, of Fury okay. uh, at the end. That's um, fair. I mean, I didn't really have an opinion mm-hmm. about it either way, but I just noticed yeah. it was a little... I mean, he has a driving guitar work throughout the whole song, mm-hmm. and at the end, as was his style with his electric guitar in the late 2000s, the song ends and the guitar is left to have this kind of feedbacky, echoey thing yeah. that's just continuing to go. He holds it in one hand, walks out into the crowd, and hands it to random guy uh-huh. while the guitar is still um, yeah, making, making the noise. noise. Yeah. And it turns yeah. out that the person he handed it to was a staffer from TMZ. Oh, such a shame. Yeah, who went on to completely out himself as a complete idiot by complaining on the TMZ website that someone came to him and took the guitar back after about 30 seconds, like he was going to go home with the guitar or something. And he proclaimed on TMZ that Prince owed him a guitar. Okay, yeah. you can't see me rolling my eyes, but my eyes are going to roll right out of my head and across the floor. <laughs> I mean, you got to hold the guitar. This is the fun part. Yes, then you give it back. And then you give it back because the guitars are worth more than your vehicle. It's like catching a monumental home run ball at a baseball game. Somebody's 100th home run. You catch the ball. That's the awesome. The person who hit it probably wants the ball back. They're going to give you something in exchange, maybe an autograph ball or something, but you're not going to keep that ball, and you're sure as heck not going to keep Prince's guitar, and certainly not once he finds out that you work Yeah, for, for TMZ. TMZ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I thought those first two nights, they were it was great. It was neat to see him in studio yeah. on The Tonight Show yeah. playing those guitars. His those uh, songs. He had a taupe outfit on this night it was a mm-hmm. little more understated yeah so he had an understated clothing but then he had this gigantic geometric statement necklace yeah, that was, was cool. super cool it was, very it was cool. like oh i wish i could pull that off that's awesome so yeah but i wonder if that's like his necklace or did he borrow it for that from you know Ooh, like that's... the like you said the sunglasses were those borrowed because they were clearly identifiable as a, you know a brand right but it was, I thought it was really cool. Me too. Yeah. I love these two nights. I transferred them, the, you know, as soon as they aired, I had a little device that you had bought me. Mm-hmm. I forget what it was called, but it was like. I don't know. You plugged it into the back of the VCR. I and did. And then plugged it through a USB port into my Mac and uh-huh. ripped the audio off of it so we could listen to it. It was fun. I don't remember what it was. It was a little round. A little round disc thing. Yeah. It was like about the and size I'm, of a. I'm Mike. 
iMic? Mm, maybe. I think it was called an iMic. Yeah, it was a little round, about the size of a juice glass uh-huh. bottom. Yeah, a disc that had like an RCA input and a USB output uh-huh. in it. Yeah, it would it let you fun. transfer audio from analog equipment to digitize oh, on your so computer. excited when I found that thing for you. I used the bejesus out You really there. did. It was the best like $18 I ever spent on something like that for you. <laughs> And then we have the third night, March 27, 2009. He played Feel Better, Feel Good, Feel Wonderful. Mm-hmm. This time it was outside. Yes. Obviously sponsored by Mercedes. Yeah. had a large Mercedes banner and a vehicle there. Yeah, it was like an outdoor, like a Mercedes-Benz outdoor concert series with the Tonight yeah. Show. It wasn't just a Prince thing. It was right. like a series that Jay had done. And he had played... Numerous songs that night. In fact, you can hear the end of one as they're cutting into the beginning of this when Jay comes on and says, check out the Mercedes-Benz, whatever the heck it is. Uh-huh. And now a final performance from the, his new 3D set. <laughs> a good friend of the show. And Prince kind of starts the song as Jay is introducing it. And right. Jay has to, speaking of shouting, uh, yeah. Jay has to <laughs> shout over the music to finish introducing him. And he kind of just gives up and he's like, Prince! <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets off the stage. Yeah. Wise. Very, yeah, just get out the way. Yeah. I thought it was fine outside. He kind of destroys the illusion of a late night show whenever they do an outside something like yeah. that. Because it's, it's daytime. obviously daytime. Right. And that's, like, that's a good point. When you yeah. see the studio version of like any yeah, of these late night shows, you can you're pretend like, yeah, that they're doing it right now for me uh-huh, at 10 uh-huh. o'clock at night. That's and right. No, they're not. No, they're not. Yeah. I thought his headband was really cool. Yes. Well, you could tell it was probably a little early for him to be performing and maybe mailed it in on the on the hair. Yeah. That, you know, just did well, something. Well, it was third day it. in a row. He's yeah. like, I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> and did you catch that the song started with another tease also? He was supposed, you know, he played Feel Better, Feel Good, Feel Wonderful, but he starts it off and it's 1999 that he's playing oh. as Jay's introducing him. You can hear the boom, boom. And uh-huh. Prince says, oh, he's still that dude. He's still that dude a couple times to say, like, I'm the same guy that wrote this song. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, he's still that dude. And then it launches into uh, oh, fun. Feel, feel Better. Cool. Yeah, so you have no, to go I back didn't. and listen to that. Yeah, I will. I'll uh-huh. go back and watch it again. There were shout-outs to other Prince songs during this. Like, the crowd started shouting, Freaks on this side, Freaks on this uh-huh. side. which is a song from an album more than 10 years prior. Right. And Prince even stops at one point and says, what was that y'all were saying before? And then he <laughs> starts the chant with them too, uh-huh. which is pretty fun. Yeah, it's really fun. What was y'all saying a minute ago? Freaks on this side. Freaks on this side. Yeah, there was a DJ Rashida, I believe, was the woman in the middle of the stage who was doing some scratch work and that kind of right. stuff. Um, on turntables. And she is still doing, she's done some Paisley Park Tonight shows oh, fun. Uh, since Prince's passing where you can go and have a dance party at Paisley Park and she's been there to play. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Yep. He's having fun. He's enjoying the crowd. Yep. Speaking of being a little uh, more casual, he uh, is wearing some white high-heeled sneakers. Yeah, they're yeah. his like his, his flats essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I thought up. they were yeah, they were fun. The clear heels and 
no, I don't think the clear oh, heels were. These were white they sneakers. Were, they were just lift. The clear lift. heels are in yeah. something we're going to get to in a minute. Gotcha. But the, uh, yeah, they were just kind of lifted mm-hmm. whites, you know, obviously custom made, but. Yeah, I'm they like, were. Oh, he put on his comfy more shoes. shoes. And them, yeah. man, he launched that guitar. We get to see another guitar throw. <laughs> yeah, third but one. it was like coming out of a cannon. He launched it so fast and hard. Yeah. For, so. uh, for things, and that was a guitar that he's had forever. Yeah. You know? And we actually saw it at yeah. Paisley Park and to yep. see how many... You, there's a guitar book that you can get from a hardcover book from Paisley Park that has that guitar in it and detail some of the... Performances d- and stuff. And some of the damage it's taken <gasps> over the years and that kind of thing. It was not in great shape. Well, you know, Prince definitely kept a repair person busy. Yes, but it had a very princely patina. Yes. You could say. Fair. <laughs> All right. And then he also did a performance on Ellen... Yeah, which is really cool. You know, Ellen, when Prince passed, she had a special announcement that she made to say that it was the first year of her show, and typically the big celebrities wait, even if it's someone who is famous like Ellen, to make sure the show is going to be popular and cool before they commit to come on. And she made a point of saying that Prince came on during the first season, and it Uh really meant a lot to her. And it was during the musicology era that he came on and actually sat down did an interview with her, and she gave him underwear and all kinds of fun <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so this was his second appearance on the show. Uh, but she was clearly a big fan, knew his music, and you know was not a pretender, like whipped out the For You album on vinyl that uh-huh. was beat up and was yeah. you know, something. Obviously was, something she'd been listening to since she was a teenager. Yeah. 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 It was really an authentic, you know, admiration that Ellen had for her. And she gave him a great introduction of like one word descriptions. You know, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Artist. I can't even think of them all. Yeah. We'll cut them in here. Yeah. So he played Crimson and Clover mm-hmm. on Ellen. Yeah, which I thought was really fun. I'm like, oh, that's so cool that he picked a, something that was a cover mashup. And, you know, what a nice thing to pick for this. Yep. The, and the set had a very 70s-inspired look about it. The L-O-V-E, real mm-hmm. 70s looking in a big heart. And I thought that was really yeah, I think, was the heart a mirror? Uh, I don't think it was on okay. this one. It was a red heart. The, okay. We do see a heart mirror in Le Grand Journal. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Then. Yeah. But, but s- big surprise here, too, is Sheila E's playing drums. For yeah, which I thought was really awesome. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the I don't know who it was playing bass, but she starts out sitting on this like 70s couch, yeah. and I thought that was super fun. It was obviously rehearsed, but it was also felt really natural and fun and really fit, and mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. And Prince is back to almost dressing professionally for the show. <laughs> yeah, it's his like crimson shirt and yes. a black suit. And yes, glasses. And glasses. Yeah, yeah. It looked very, very scholarly yeah yeah say. yeah he looked all like very buttoned up for daytime mm-hmm. this is my daytime look like yeah. i'm going to the office yeah 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 so at the very end i thought it was very sweet too it's rare that prince stands on stage and lets someone come up and greet him after he performs he usually finds a way to get the heck out of there right but he waited ellen came got a hug he takes his guitar mm-hmm. off and puts it on Ellen and kind of straightens her out to be uh-huh. the leader of the band. Yeah, really, I thought it was really, really cute. And she, fun. like, pretends. You can tell she, like, wasn't expecting that. Right. And was like, I'm wearing Prince's guitar. After and he I, just played it. But I 
I don't want to touch it because it's going to sound awful. It was, you could see these, it was like she had closed captioning of her brain running across her face because that's exactly what she had to have been thinking. Yeah, the look on her face. Yeah, it was very fun. There you go. Take a lesson, TMZ, on how to react when Prince gives you a guitar. Uh Uh-huh. You appreciate the chance to touch a piece of history and then you give it back. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. That was great. And then Le Grand Journal, that's where the the heart, heart the mirrored heart was. Mm-hmm. This is where he was wearing the shoes that were oh, the with the clear, clear heels. heels. Yes, yeah. we yeah. did. That was in this one, right? Yes. Um, so there were a couple songs he played from MPL Sound at this appearance. Dance for Me being the first, which uh-huh. is again super rare that you yeah, hear that he song didn't... live. But it's a lot of fun live. It was really, fun really live. fun. Notably, he sits on a stool yeah. through a lot of this, and you wonder, is he tired? Is he hurting a little bit? Maybe. Or what's maybe. going on? Uh, well, this was, was October of, of 2009. Yeah, it was later on. Yeah, I'm sure it got a later release in Europe. Yeah. Yep. So this is why I said it was interesting that we didn't see Bria... At okay. the Tonight oh. Show stuff in March, because that's true. She we was, see her. Yeah, she, she was not on stage. Mm. She was in the audience, but she was there. Right for this I did taping. Notice that. I saw her. They they yeah. showed they her briefly. Her. Mm-hmm. She's smiling and happy and clapping. Yeah, and you know looks happy to be there. But he notably did not pull her on stage. Yeah, nor really. Met. No, I mean, acknowledged he's there to promote her. the three disc set, the three D set. Actually, no. I think it was just MPL I, Sound. Yeah, I think it was MPL Sound and Lotus Flower. Yeah, it was a, It was that was the release. Yeah. in France, there wasn't a Bria Valente release mm-hmm. there, so perhaps that's not why he did not pull her up. Maybe. But it's just interesting that she was there, but not was, present for the yeah, American. Yeah, when promos. she kind of should have been. Yeah, so. it could have been really featured. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. But he plays Dance for Me and then No More Candy for You, which again is the only time ever I've ever heard him play right. those two songs uh, yes. live. And, which uh, was super fun. He ditched yeah. the stool for No More Candy for You. Yeah, and I think No More Candy for You was a lot more fun live than Agreed. on the album. So much. Yeah. And the backup singers kind of mm-hmm. sang it rock opera style. Yes. Which I oh, thought was no really... More <laughs> Yes. Which was super fun. Super fun. It was interesting because there were small kids in the audience. They panned to the audience Uh and there were like pretty small children. Yeah. I mean, Mm 10-ish. Yeah. Or maybe even a little younger. Like in the front row having fun, which I thought was interesting and fun right i thought by uh, by the time this performance rolled around to the super big sunglasses were wearing a little thin on me oh uh, someone who's there to see somebody else perform maybe a little disrespectful after a while to be wearing sunglasses or the whole thing i think you don't that, care no i don't care and i think it, it that it wouldn't me. it well and maybe it bothered you because we watched all of these back to back yeah uh it didn't bother me all right it didn't yeah. bother me so but then he also performed 1999 yes. and Controversy. Yes, which I thought were super fun. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, a nice solid hit. 
Yeah, and it fit with the sound of MPL sounds. Right. There were fun, fun, like, back catalog selections to pull out. Yes. So, I, here's what really struck me about this, was, obviously, the host is speaking French, because it's mm-hmm. a French television show. Obviously, somebody's translating for Prince. Yeah, he's and then, got, I think, an earpiece oh, okay. where he could hear. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the host talks over Prince. So it's hard for us as a English speakers to hear what he's saying, really, because the host is translating into yes. French for the audience. Yeah. But what struck me about this, not that so much, but was to really get to see how he was a superstar with people who are non-English speakers, that he is a worldwide superstar. He is still able to command that audience and make it fun for them. He did some like vocalizing echoes. Mm-hmm. They weren't words. It was just sounds because they don't speak the same language. So it's more fun for them to have, to be able to interact with him mm-hmm. and have it just be sounds. And yeah. I really, it really made me realize international superstar. He knows how to work the audience, no matter what language the audience speaks. Yeah. After under the cherry moon, Prince had a place in France, basically whenever he wanted to come back. Yes. Uh, he was very much embraced by the entire country. Yeah. And again, in this case, he stayed on stage for a man to come up and mm-hmm. interview him and, you know, translate. He seemed to, you know, enjoy it, too. He laughed at some of the questions uh-huh. that were being asked of him. And yeah. Yeah. It was, it was nice. It was, it was really nice. All right. So then we end up at the interview portion of the promotional materials. Prince went on Tavis Smiley. He'd been on Tavis Smiley uh, several times. He used to have a show on PBS. Right. He appeared, I think, previously with Wendy and did a song off of Musicology. Right. Just acoustic performance with Wendy, which was really neat, and then came back on Tavis Smiley. Right. uh, In 2009 to promote, uh, do a little bit of promotion Mm -hmm. for this album, and then a lot of... Just kind of like chatting. Yeah. 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 There was no performance performance. that we saw. There were some videos clipped in, but Mm -hmm. those aren't in the video that we saw and we didn't see quite the entire thing it's kind of difficult to find the entire interview all in one go all together and the we tried to find it piecemeal and weren't able to really do it so i'll post the piecemeal if you want to try and watch it it didn't work very well for us i'll also uh post the video that we did watch which was the longer it was like Eight minutes, minutes or so. Yeah, eight or ten minutes of of the interview, which is yeah. the majority of it. Yeah. So Tavis wants to, you know, get deep into Prince's thinking, no. I think, just as an interview. <laughs> sure. Um, which I would guess was part, I'm sure Prince knew about this going into it, that it was somewhat planned. He knew what the discussion was going to be about, so... Talked about the album, and then he got into talking about the song Dreamer. And um, well, before we get to that, we, okay. we, we'll get to that in uh-huh. a minute. So first, he, he said something that the records are like the human genome. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Somehow he related 
his albums to like being a part of his DNA basically. And can you own somebody else's DNA? Yeah. He was talking about uh, his fight against Warner brothers and uh, still again, Tavis Tavis asked him, well, did you ever feel like it was too difficult of a struggle? Or he asked him if he felt like he was one person or another person of this allegory that he was making. And Prince. Oh, it was a boxing yeah, I, and yes. boxers that I don't know. Yes. So yes. he felt like and, and the Prince, opponent, right? Yeah. Right, and he said, "I felt that way because I knew I was right. Inconscionable to own someone else, somebody else's, else's DNA, which is yeah. funny because now here we are, people sending, given twenty three and me is Christmas gifts, and right. If and you, you read the fine print, yep, you're giving them uh, access to yeah. you essentially, which I do think he's right. Fair, um, you know. In fact. Also on Jay Leno, a few years earlier, he talked with Jay about Mariah Carey's $20 million per album uh-huh, deal and yeah. kind of did the math for Jay to say, Mariah got screwed. Mm-hmm, yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah, I think he, he was right. And that part I was on board with. By that time, I think most Prince fans who'd been following him were getting a little tired of hearing about <laughs> hearing it. Like, it, like yeah. you, you are free. It's great that he did that for other artists, but those other artists were already under contract. So he was playing the role of educator, I think, for up-and-coming artists that, you know, don't leap at the first half-million-dollar deal that you're given because you could do much more for yourself. Right. And then they had a lighthearted moment where they talked about uh, misheard lyrics. Yes. And dig, if you will, the picture of you, Marvin Gaye, and the kids. <laughs> yes. That was Prince saying that he had heard that uh-huh. someone thought that was the lyrics to When Cry. Cry. And then a non-English speaker yeah. somehow was talking with Prince and insisted that Little Red Corvette was pay the rent collect. collect. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. I was that like, was oh, that's fun. More of that. Yeah, because Tavis had pulled out the lyrics. He printed the lyrics to Dreamer and pulled them out. And Prince was saying, well, <laughs> where did you get those? Yeah. Because I've seen some crazy things. Yeah. yeah, which is funny. I'm sure somebody on Prince's staff helped him out a little bit. Yeah. And then we get to the discussion of Dreamer and David Gregory. Right. And this is uh, where things take a little bit of a turn yeah they kind of unravel for me personally <laughs> now everyone has their own life experiences you know there's no doubt the prince had a great probably a wider ranging life experience than most of us i think it's fair to say for being born into poverty being you know kicked out of his own home living with a friend yeah starting to gain popularity and teaching himself all these instruments on his own and then hitting it so big that you know he had more money than he could possibly spend in his lifetime right which has now been proven out right so I don't want to make his perceptions invalid but he certainly got into uh, the kind of thing that I expect to hear on info wars <laughs> and this that kind of extreme, Left or right. Yes. Uh, you know, belief in chemtrails and that the government is trying to keep us all docile and, and in that line. poisoning black people with liquor and lead and manganese. Yeah. Now, is it possible that uh, black people in poor areas are in worse health mentally and physically than the average American? I would say most definitely so. But is it a purposeful government-led poisoning? I think that's a much bigger question mark for me. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, where even, it's even just... Prince starts talking about, you know, being in the city and looking up and seeing contrails. And that made everybody sky. be. And then suddenly everyone would be arguing and fighting for no reason in the city. Where, to me, I look at that and think, well, when you live in poverty and you struggle and, uh, you, and you are a teenager and have nowhere better to be. Right. And nothing good to do with your time, then that leads to violence and, and, and altercations and yeah. arguments. You know, that's, that's my take on it. Right. Chemtrails are not something that we really have to worry about. And unfortunately, no matter what the science says, a lot of people aren't going to believe it. Very but, true. But you it, know, did make, it is what it, it is. It made for an inspired song. Yes. It made for what I feel like is kind of a an uncomfortable interview. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. For me to watch. Yeah. That was a little you know, I'm open to hearing about it. I don't want to say I debunk it completely. No. But it sure sounds a little crazy. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, I did a little research, and basically you can pretty much prove that this is not a thing. But, you know, you tell the conspiracy theorists this, they're not going to believe you. No. But, and evidently there were eight presidents before George Washington, which I didn't look anything up about that. I was like... Yeah, it's a little alternative history. Uh, I've read a little bit about that, too. If you read into the history of America, and Prince makes mention of that. Yeah. You know, I give credit to Prince for his efforts in studying. He, you know, dove into these things headfirst, and, you know, you saw it with the Rainbow Children and his conversion to being a Jehovah's Witness and dedication to it. He sort of came out of that a little bit, and this was his next, Mm -hmm. you know... Big he didn't maybe area come of out of it. It was maybe well, not the only thing he was focusing on publicly. Yeah, yeah, publicly anymore. Yeah. He did say that because he's a Jehovah's Witness, that he did didn't not vote. vote. Yep. Which fine. Yeah. Whatever. Well, it's a choice. Which is also interesting because later in his life, in twenty, was it fourteen, fifteen? Uh-huh. He performed at the White House for Barack Obama. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, so it's Just because he didn't vote for him doesn't mean he couldn't be happy he was well, president. The way yeah. he spoke about him yeah. in this interview was he seems to have good intentions, but he was very skeptical over what you would think would be something that he would champion. In fact, mm-hmm. he mentioned it in Old School Company when he performed on The Tonight Show. He says, since the White House is black, we got to take the radio back. Right. So... He certainly makes comparisons to uh, politics and recognizes the first black president in our country's history, but then also kind of takes a step back and almost relieves himself of responsibility, in my perception, by saying, because I'm a Jehovah's Witness, witness, I don't have to vote. I don't vote. Uh He didn't say he doesn't have to. He just says he doesn't. Doesn't, yeah. So, hey, believe what you want. That's what makes our country great. This was a little strange. Yep. That's fine. Whatever, man. Mm-hmm. Then Prince leaves, evidently leaves the building entirely, and Bria Valente has some time on the same episode with yeah. Tavis Smiley. Right, because Tavis asks her, you know, okay, look behind that wall. Is Prince yeah. still here? Did he leave? Did yeah. He, can we talk about it? Yeah. 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 Which I think was funny, but I don't not necessarily true. But they were there, but it's interesting that they didn't appear together. Yes. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, He refers to Elixir as the first disc. Yeah, I think that's... We talked about that when you open the the album. If you look at it left to right, Elixir's the one on the left. Right. So he calls it the opening CD. I've always thought of it as the third. Right. To me, it's like Lotus Flower 1, MPL Sound 2, Elixir, a very distant third. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Certainly not the, I never thought of it as the opening album. Right. But, well, set. me either, because the name of the set is Lotus Flower. Yeah. So I think you start there, then you move to the next Prince thing, because mm-hmm. what else is on the cover? Lotus Flower yeah, and Lotus Prince. Yeah, the album is on the cover. Yep. The album cover is the cover yes. of the three discs. Set. Anyway, they watch a little clip that we don't get to see in this video. Right. And Bria evidently leaned over and said to Tavis Smiley, we're trying to make really stellar elevator music. Yes. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that until we watched it. I was like, well, I'm glad she describes it that way because yeah, that's fair. It is a good description. It's yeah. not it's you it's know not necessarily it's not disparaging. Kind of, it's no, just it's just there and you might not notice it because you're on your way to do other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought she did a, a nice interview with him. She was very composed and mm-hmm. handled herself really well. I think yeah. I'd rather watch her interview with Tavis Smiley than Prince's <laughs> interview with Tavis Smiley. <laughs> we didn't have to hear about any chemtrails in this one, yeah. so that was good. Yeah. She claims some of the songs were jam sessions, which doesn't no. seem to really like. I think that's true. That the music could have come from jam sessions oh, yeah. that was later edited and vocals were okay. put to it. I think that's Fair. what she was getting okay. to. Which is a lot of how the Lotus Flower album came together with that 15 song session that Prince sat in with Michael B. and Sonny Thompson that they created music and he went back later, cobbled it together, right. edited it, added overdubs, that kind of thing. Right. I think that's what she meant. Okay. Uh, Tavis said that Tonight had a protege sound. Fair. See, it I sounded disagree. like I Prince. Tol- I totally disagree. That sound really? does not sound like Prince to me at all. I thought oh. Another Boy sounds like Prince way more to me than oh, Tonight. I can see that, but like every time didn't have a big Prince sound to me. So I no, can see. it had see. a Baby Einstein sound <laughs> to it. Yes. And then he claimed it had a sound of its own. Tavis Smiley said, this record really has a sound of its own. It was like, really? Really? It's really like, it's elevator music. It doesn't have a sound of its own. It sounds like something else. Yeah, I don't, I mean, unremarkable, I think, sounds like a dismissal or a critique, but unremarkable sort of how I would describe the album. It's very, a lot of it, yeah. Very one note. None of it is terrible, but none of it, there aren't a whole lot of great moments that you think, oh, wow, that's amazing. Or this song took a direction that I wasn't expecting. There aren't a yeah. lot of surprises on, on the album. Yep. Her father played 27 instruments. Yeah, that was interesting. Like, okay. Was your father Prince? Tibet? <laughs> no. That's what I thought. <laughs> and then uh, Tavis ended the interview by saying, remember Bria's name because it's going to be around for a long time. And I was like, wah, wah. Yeah, that's, it just did not happen. And she's very much out of the public spotlight right. and you know it's not even an artist who's really come up after prince's passing is Mm-mm. you know what was it like to work with him a lot of these yeah. somewhat unknown um artists have been interviewed and sought after since his death and she has not been one of them maybe she's been approached and has declined to comment right we don't know we just have not heard much from her right all right and then we have some download tracks things that were available on mm-hmm. lotusflower.com right Starting with uh, the album track, actually, called The Morning After. Yes. uh, Which, if you bought the album in Target, you did not get. Uh, If you only downloaded the album and didn't go to Target to buy the physical uh, release, then you got The Morning After and not Crimson and Clover. Right. Uh, One replaced the other. Yeah. So there's been a lot of 
speculation as to why that is. Was it a, a rights issue, perhaps, with online versus physical oh, copies, since fair. it was a cover version uh-huh. and a mashup of two different songs that were not his? Right. So, yeah, I would kind of categorize The Morning After as one of the, probably the least known Prince album track in hmm. history, just hmm. because fair. the only way you could get it was, was if you had... Spent $77 on the club. Yep. $77.77. Right. Um, That would be the the only way you could hear it if you went and bought the album at Target. Like, I think most people who own this album probably got it at Target. Um, Or if you stream it now, even, it's Crimson and Clover. Right. The morning after isn't there. So, uh, it's a fun little song. Yeah. Uh, It's much shorter than Crimson and Clover. It's a very short tune with a kind of baby piano mm-hmm. sound to it and uh, nasally vocal delivery I yeah. guess is what I would say from um, I it was it doesn't have a chorus right. so I thought it was very much like better with time yes it had a similar kind of feel to me that's a good description um, although it's a faster so it's not a ballad no but it was it had a similar flavor yeah. in that way yeah. it was likely recorded in 2005 in mm-hmm. Los Angeles at Sunset Sound and was included on an early configuration of 3121 mm-hmm. and then it ended up here yeah. yeah a lot of these songs that were recorded between 2005 and 2009 were mixed around on you know different albums yeah. before they fi- finally found a home yeah uh, i do come back and listen to the song quite a bit the transition in the song is from the previous track to the next one is interesting to listen to um the album version boom leads into crimson and clover and it almost is like uh there's a, like a downbeat and it goes into it right if you listen to the download release of the transition between boom and the morning after it's a neat listen to just have hear how they edited the songs Mm, together a little differently yeah Mm -hmm. neat there's a nice little guitar solo in the towards the end of the song too but like you said uh no chorus prince missing someone who's left him yeah well and it's like after you think of a pill well yes and it's kind of a quite tell i think that it was maybe a one night stand whom he's kind of falling in love with but also he felt a much stronger connection to someone he just met and had a liaison with yes yeah yeah well i think that's a lot of his songwriting sometimes comes from the position of oh i'm hurt man mm-hmm. uh you know even though obviously he's very sought after right by many women but writing a song from the perspective of having being heard or be being left right is more interesting of a song than always being on the prowl right you know? yeah and then uh <laughs> i wondered what he said to her at first i felt the only reason you left me was a proposition that I spoke in your ear. So i'm like, like what did he say to her it must have been Healthy. No, or, you know, scared or, her off because he wanted a commitment and she just met yeah, him. Yeah, she's like, yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. how I took it. Okay. I, but I'm, I'm not so dirty. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I thought it was kind of a throwback to the Dirty Mind era a little bit. He's not too proud to play second fiddle. He's, oh. you know, if you break, if you're not with somebody else, I'll, I'll take you later. Yeah, very much. She's so special that he's willing to overlook or even accept that he's maybe not the only man in her life. Kind of like when you were mine. 
Yes, that's yeah. a good description. Yeah, and so, all of this didn't land on him until, you know, 12 hours after she had disappeared. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, wait, did I just lose the love of my life? Right, yeah. panic time. It seems a little weird to call it sweet because it's so full of kind of desperation, but, but it, it was kind sweet. of sweet. Mm-hmm. So. I thought it also sounded, had a sound similar to the song Forever. Yeah. Uh, on the Lotus Flower album. Those yes. kind of were, I don't know, cousins in some way. Sure. All right. And then we have Disco Jellyfish, which is an instrumental version of Chocolate Box. Yeah. I think Prince Vault calls it an instrumental remix. Yeah. Which I think is probably better description. Not maybe well, remix, but just an instrumental version with more added to it. Right. Um, well, because it's really unclear if Disco Jellyfish or Chocolate Box came first. Sure. There's there's not a lot of good records about this. Yep. The thought is that perhaps Disco Jellyfish came first. Could be. Because there's all of the Disco Jellyfish imagery throughout the album. Yeah, and on his the, stage, on too, their, when he was on Leno. Right. The old school company performance had the giant neon jellyfish hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, it's just super fun and cool. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, You know, it had the... Fun and funky outer space sounds, mm-hmm. some fun guitar. There's yeah, like there's... a little bit of piano that's kind of fun and surprising in parts. And it felt really retro, but was still pretty fresh. Yeah, it has some kind of fierce guitar solos too that aren't aren't in the uh, vocal studio version that are fun. I mean, makes gives this version of the song, whether it was the originator or a derivative, I don't know, kind of a special feeling to me. I I enjoy it because it uh, has something to add. It's not like they just stripped his vocals or this was the song before lyrics were written for the song. Yeah, it's a little different. It is a little different and also a better length. It's under four minutes as opposed to the album version that uh, is six minutes and 14 seconds long. So, you know, like I said before, Chocolate Box was my C for the MPL Sound album, Disco Jellyfish, in its shortened form with um, the additional instrumental work that we talked about, I think it's it's a more successful. Yeah, fair. Uh, there's very little out there. I tried to find if there was a little more information about this track. Just a fun little side note that there's so little on the internet about this song that a silly tweet from us. Oh, really? Yes, from at TMATS podcast on Twitter uh-huh. is on the first page of the Google results. We are so famous. <laughs> We're so That's famous. Great. Or there's just so little out there. So, you know, you could follow us since we do have a tweet on the first page of a Google result about something that has to do with prints. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you should follow us on Twitter or find us on Facebook, the Mountains and the Sea of Prince podcast, or send us an email at tmats t-m-a-t-s podcast at gmail.com the hubris is just dripping from the microphone (laughs) so one last thing on disco jellyfish do you know the theory of why it was named disco jellyfish no i have no idea it's a fun take on the b-52's rock lobster oh fun he had performed during this time so instead of a rock lobster he has disco disco jellyfish that's fun Mm -hmm. that's fun all right then we have there'll never be another like me instrumental version Uh uh-huh yeah Um, these were sort of in tandem on the lotus flower website if i remember right i remember hearing both of them they were both teasers that came out before mm -hmm. the album 
and grabbing them both and thinking, wow, I love the direction that this is sounding. It has a very 80s kind of feel to it. I can't wait to hear this album. But the Never Be Another Like Me instrumental is not really appreciably different from the album no, version, aside it, from not having lyrics and being much shorter. It sounded to me like that it was almost like he just had the lyrics or the Move. vocalization stripped away. Yeah. And that's the thing I missed most about the album version versus the instrumental version was the wordless vocalizing oh, that uh-huh. was in the album version. Yeah. I missed that because I was like, I'm kind of I'm listening to it and I kind of go to sing along a little bit and I realize, oh, oh well, there's no too. words. I, there aren't words here that I was singing along to, but there was vocalization that... You're missing that I missed. Yeah, a bit. so it's very short. It's two minutes and forty-seven seconds, as opposed to the album version, which is you know, uh, you know more than twice as long—six minutes and two seconds. Right. So it's a nice to have little piece. I thought as I'm listening to it for the first time in a while, and then I thought, well, there, I mean, what really is there here that's There's not no. already on the album? There's not a lot. No. Nope. It wasn't just successful. It was for just me. part it's of what you got for your. $77.77. Right. Exactly. Then we have five Dance For Me remixes put out by Purple Music, yeah. a Swiss company that uh, does like club music, house music, remixes, stuff like that. And they work with different DJs and artists to create these sorts of things. This is the first time that Prince had a official working relationship with Purple Music. Yep, not the last though. He no. went back to them like in 2012, 2013 for uh, the release of Rock and Roll Love Affair. Right. Um, as a single was released on the Purple Music label and one of the DJs that worked on the Dance For Me remixes, Jamie Lewis, worked on the Rock and Roll Love Affair yes. remixes and also. Purple Music is Jamie Lewis's company. Okay. Jamie Lewis and his wife are the operating members All right. of Purple Music. So that's kind of interesting. So we're going to start with the Brian Matrix Da Big Room mix. Okay. I said it indeed sounds like it's in a big room. It does. With uh, I described it as super synthesizer heavy with mm-hmm. a lot of echo to it. Uh, in fact, the first verse is sung over those DJ synthesizers with no percussion at all. Right. Which I guess was, you know, he's trying to take this in a different direction. Dance for me. Well, let's take the drums out of the song. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> let's see you dance to that. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Uh, Brian Matrix is a DJ out of LA. He, uh-huh. he has a label called Heartfelt Studios. I did not and know that. does uh, production services under a company called Matrix Sessions. Cool. Yep. Then we have the David Alexander Icon Mix. Well, before you go on to that, uh, the Brian oh. Matrix Mix is pretty long, I yes. thought, too. I mean, all of these are basically made They're to be played long. in clubs, clubs and, you know, to keep the crowd moving kind of thing, but. Six minutes and 41 seconds for that first mix as opposed to almost exactly five minutes for the album version. i got to preface my opinion on all these by saying this isn't the kind of music that I like. In fact, I listen to Prince primarily to avoid this kind of music. Uh-huh. Fair. Um, so 
but I appreciate the vein in which these mixes were made. They were made, you know, a couple a couple years after the album was released, right? Um, and they were just to increase popularity among clubs and you know the dance scene. So mm-hmm. for I'm taking them for what they're what they're worth. Right. Sorry. Go ahead, David right. Alexander Icon Remix. Yes, uh, not the Icon Remix. The Icon Mix. Okay. Uh, has kind of a chanting vibe that starts. It had you know driving drums. Uh, there was kind of an alarm sound in it it got old quick yeah it kind of increased in pitch throughout the whole song right um yeah i mean it was like what black sweat bordered on Uh uh-huh and it kind of took it over the edge yeah yeah it was fine david alexander runs the icon collective production uh it which is production classes that you can take if you want to learn how to be in a DJ or a producer cool. of music. Uh, you can take classes at their campus in LA or online. So nice. there's that. Uh, I thought it was cool. worth no, mentioning. I, I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. Well, I was trying to figure out how I was going to talk about <laughs> club mix club songs. Music. Yeah, yeah. And that I'm, I'm going to talk about the DJs a little bit when I can. Yeah. This is, you know, again, it has, it's very house sounding with synthesizers added. Right. Um, that were not played by Prince that were played, you know, either played by this DJ or played by someone and worked into the, to the mix of the song. But it does follow the lyrical structure of the original song more than the Brian Matrix okay. remix did. But still, if you don't like house music and synthesizers, then there isn't much here for you to enjoy. Right. Like I said, if you take it for what it's worth and it's to just increase the you know awareness of the song and this album mm-hmm. and the club scene right, and open that audience to Prince music, then yeah. great. Yeah. Also long, six minutes and 15 seconds. Right. Anyway. Then we have the tribal drum mix, which is funny. This is a drum mix, but I found the drums to be a bit less driving mm-hmm. in this. They were a little less heavy. It had a really nice guitar feature, especially around like the two and a half minute mark, like the middle of the song. Mm-hmm. It had a nice like feature on the guitars. It kind of pulled away from the drums sounded a little more acoustic and yeah. like yeah, ma- less, maybe less literally fun. tribal like instead of having just the big heavy relentless beat it was a little more like smaller drums yeah which i thought was kind of really interesting yeah that's exactly what i wrote down that the title is a good description of the mix it mm-hmm. sounds like tribal drums a little less housey than less clubby than the first two right. tracks um, and the fact that they preserved a lot of Prince's rhythm guitar work from the original and even isolate it at times, yes. I get excited about that. I mean, you've yeah. got this great song, and I'm sure that they were given you know stem tracks from the song. Right. And on this one, we actually get to hear some of Prince's work featured more, um, right. which, again, attracted me to this one a lot more. Then they used the, the kind of churchy-sounding chorus chants, the oh, uh-huh. from the end of yeah. the original song. Yeah. And they use that throughout uh, kind of for a tribal feel to uh-huh. the song, which yeah. I thought was clever. So I kind of felt like there was a little more originality, or a little more originality and also a little more preservation of the original track right. combined in this one. Right. Then we have the, oh, and I have no idea who to credit for this. I couldn't find, like, oh yeah, who who was the DJ who put this together. DJ so, Tribal Drum. Yeah, hey, 
whoever made the tribal tribal drum mix, you know, shoot us Let an us email know. and we'd love to give you credit for it. Yes, we would. Yeah. Then we have the Dominatrix mix. Mm-hmm. I believe Dominatrix is a DJ, but there are evidently a lot of DJs who go by a similar sort of name, so I couldn't find very much information. I'm sure there are. Who is this? Yeah. Uh, uh, I thought it was a pretty typical club track. It was. It got back to the kind of the house club sound of the first two mixes, but mm-hmm. it's a little more stripped down to yeah. me, though it does have synthesizers added. But I thought it was, in my notes I wrote, it's a little bit less of a mess than the <laughs> Brian Matrix and David Alexander mixes oh. to me. But that's my own, again, I'm, yeah. I'm coming clean here and saying this isn't the type of music that... I like or listen to a lot. Right. Um, what did attract me to this is that it has the same kind of bark sample okay. that's used in the song Peach. Okay. And Prince is used throughout okay. uh, this mix, which stood out to me. Okay. That's fun. There was it's a little kind of cowbell. A bark. It's a bark or like it's a, kind of a record uh, scratch right. bark. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, there was some cowbell. Cowbell. I that was fun. Like it when you shake everything. Yeah. There was also like a little a little bit where there's some vocalization and it was in the tribal drum mix too that where they say shake. Uh-huh. And yes. they kind of emphasize that a little bit, which I thought yeah. was kind of fun. Yeah. In both of those. Yeah. And then we have the final remix Jamie Lewis revamp purple mix. So this is it's really fast. Yes. This is the the guy. This is the guy who yeah. runs He's purple the music. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is this is his jam. Yeah. If you listen to this and then listen to the work that Jamie Lewis did on the remixes of Rock and Roll Love Affair, you can really hear his style in both of them. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying you can uh, you can kind of hear hallmarks that make it his kind of sound. Right. I did like that this mix preserved a bit of the lindrum from the original throughout the Mm -hmm. whole thing that I thought was very fun. Um, Because to me, that's a remix. I didn't want it to be a whole new song that strips all of the Prince out of the Prince song. Right. This one and the tribal drum mix did make an effort to kind of preserve and highlight a couple of pieces of Prince's input that I thought thought made it fun. Yep. And I also wrote in my notes that I'd call this one more electronic than house okay maybe a bit more robotic than okay. the others yeah That's how i describe it um but it was fun to listen to yeah it was there were some keyboard bits that were used mm-hmm. and played with in an interesting way mm-hmm. so i mean of those i would say probably the jamie lewis one was the one that was most successful for me that okay. and the tribal drum mix were I completely agree but you know i'm not i i dislike the others but i don't typically listen to like a lot of edm and that's kind of where these a little bit. were headed a little bit in that so, direction yeah. yeah all right well that's all the stuff that we're going to cover on this episode is that all we're that... going to do more <laughs> that's all okay um so we have three things that we choose every episode we choose a time capsule we choose a C, the low point for us, and we choose mm-hmm. a mountain, our high point. Yeah. I always start because the rules are mine. You call it a format. I call it rules. This is how we do things. I just I take no responsibility <laughs> for this. The time capsule for me yeah. was Dreamer on The Tonight Show. Oh, okay. So mainly because it was 
used in the Target commercial as well. And it was just such a, it really was like near the end of Leno's time and Dreamer was in the ad. It was almost Bria Valente on Tava Smiley because of the whole like, she's going to be big. But (laughs) I decided to go with Dreamer instead. Uh, That's a great choice. I think any of the Leno performances could easily have been a time capsule. Yeah, fair. The most seen. Yeah. Everyone. Uh, most people who are watching late night television now at least know of Jay Leno and right. know that he preceded the late night host of today. Right. For me, though, I couldn't get past the morning after since, okay. as I said before, it probably has the distinction as the least known Prince album track ever. Mm-hmm. And I think the only time ever that a version or a song appeared on one release format and not on others. Uh huh. Okay. Um, and that was kind of the joys and pains of being a member of the lotusflower.com website. You paid the $80. You weren't quite sure what you were going to get. Uh The one thing we all did, I'm sure, is pay for the download version. Then we went out and bought the (laughs) uh, physical version anyway. So for that reason, I chose the morning after. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Then the C for me was the chocolate box video which is funny because i loved chocolate box Uh it was my mountain from that album right and And the video and the video it was just it was necessary it never aired anywhere but the website it was confusing there was a story there and i wanted so much to understand it and there i just there wasn't enough there to be able to understand what the story was give me more story if you're gonna try and tell a story a man leaps from building after mm-hmm. female associate. Yeah. Wearing similarly lined jacket. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No chocolates, no boxes. Yeah. That was my C2. Oh, really? The chocolate box okay. video. I just thought, I mean, I love videos and yeah. I like watching Prince, or I certainly wouldn't yeah. be sitting here talking about Prince for right. an hour every two weeks. <laughs> but yeah, I just kept going back to this is really. There's nothing yeah. remarkable here at all. Well, and it didn't give you any insight into the song at all. Yes. It was just it was just kind of there. Despite there were, I mean there was an artistic vision for the video. It wasn't a cheap video. Right. Well, like you said, there was a story there and I so much wanted to try and understand what story they were trying to tell us and uh, there was just no way to tell I, us. I wasn't even that interested in hearing <laughs> what the story was. <laughs> okay. And then our mountain. The high point. The high point was the LeGrand Journal performance because it gave us so much insight into it gave us so much insight into him being really an international superstar and his live performances are always great. That's a good reason yep. to pick that as a mountain. And plus a very big reason because he, you know, four of those tracks aired. Yeah. Who knows how many he really performed there. Right. Too. Yeah. Um, so I think that makes a lot of sense. For me, the mountain is Disco Jellyfish, oh. which is the Chocolate Box instrumental. Right. Chocolate Box being my C for the Minneapolis Sound album, MPL Sound yep. album, and also the video being the C for this episode, Redemption. For the Disco Jellyfish, <laughs> because I love listening to that instrumental. It's almost like listening to Prince sing when you hear his guitar work. Yeah. Um, Fair. I can, I don't know, it, it could it could have come out of his mouth or it could have come out of his guitar. Sure, and it would have been, been equally great. happy for you. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. 
Excellent. So next time we're going to talk about the Montreux 2009 Jazz Festival performance. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, yeah, on YouTube, Daily online, Motion, Vimeo. Yeah, Instagram. one of those. There's mm-hmm. there's a couple videos out there that pretty much encompass the entire performance. And then there's also a Nokia after show. Yes. That we're going to check out, and we're going to dive into the Prince Online Museum and look at the website. Right. So let's break out Flash Player. Yeah, and check it yeah out. I'm gonna have to turn it on when I go. Can't wait. Yeah. So we right. made it to the end of the podcast. We and did. I was requested to come up with something to ask for uh-huh. this episode. Yeah. So if you so if you would like a shout out, like we did at the top of the episode. Then you can check our Twitter and tweet at us and give us something. You can feedback. make it up. It doesn't have to some kind of feedback. You don't, yeah. you, don't you make it up. It doesn't have to be factual. So, We're not going to require you to do research. But no. I did say, hey, Josh, be thinking about. Yeah. So um, what I'd like to hear from you guys is what do you think the 3Ds are in this 3D set? <laughs> I really want to know. There's yeah. So give us three words that start with D, D. that describe the Lotus Flower uh-huh. set or these live performances or interviews or chemtrails or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. Whatever suits your fancy. Yeah, something Prince-related that starts with D. And I don't care how you relate it to Prince. Excellent. It should be three Ds, though. Should there be should three. be three Ds. Not just Ds. one. Three. Yeah. yeah. Because Jay Leno said it. Excellent. Okay. Awesome. All right. So... Thanks so much for spending your time with us. We know that you have a choice. We know that you have taken your time to listen to us, and we super, super appreciate it. And we'll be back with you with one more episode about Lotus Flower. That'll be a little Christmas gift to you that we've come to the end of this fun set of... Yes, and then as usual, but we'll be ready to move on. Yes, excellent. All right, thank you so much. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. <laughs>